Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about the top six herbs that I think about as being beneficial for motherhood at all stages. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I have learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Now, without further ado, Let's have some fun and dig in. Last Sunday was Mother's Day. So I decided to talk about herbs for motherhood this week. Of course, the list of beneficial herbs for mothers is endless. However, I challenged myself to think off the top of my head of what herbs I thought would be beneficial for the majority of mothers out there through all stages of motherhood. And I realized as I was thinking about them, they essentially all the ones that I thought about were herbs that were beneficial for the nervous system and the heart. The ones that I want to talk about today are Tulsi, otherwise known as Holy Basil, Motherwort, of course, have to talk about Motherwort, Rose, Oat Straw, Nettle, and Plantain, which is not necessarily good for the nervous system, but is an herb that is helpful for all kinds of skin irritations that children may experience and tends to be the first plant that children learn. So I thought it would be a great plant for mothers to know as well, of course. So to get started, I'd like to talk about Tulsi or Holy Basil, which is one of my absolute favorite herbs. It is an adaptogen and it's, which means it is a herb that helps us to adapt to stressful situations. It helps us to be more resilient in life and it helps our nervous system to be able to withstand the regular stressors that we come in contact with. And it has lots of other great benefits like supporting the immune system and it tastes really good. So I'll get into a little bit about Tulsi But first, I want to share the story of how I met Tulsi. And I remember I was a teenager, and my mom 
had let me have a section of the lawn as my own garden and I loved herbs even then it was really the scent and smell of the herbs that I loved and loved to grow and incorporate in my own little patch of the yard and my mom and I went to a plant nursery we were living in Vermont at the time and all I remember it seemed like it we was like down long twisty windy wooded roads which is kind of what most of Vermont is hills and wood wooded roads dirt roads and we landed in some little greenhouse nursery and there's this wonderful woman there and I was telling her that I liked to grow herbs and I liked plants that had scent and she was like oh well have you ever experienced this plant called holy basil or sacred basil? And I said, no, I've never heard of that. And this is, you know, this is like the early 90s. And she was, she said, oh, well, let me introduce you to this plant. She offered me to rub the leaf and smell it. And I was in love at that moment. The plant, it just had, really has a sacred sweet, spicy aroma to it that is very awakening and helps to bring uh, alertness, but it's also very centering and grounding. And she told me um, that this was a plant that was planted outside of Hindu temples in India, and it was considered a very sacred plant in Hindu traditions and culture. And at that moment, I was really just starting to get curious in herbalism um, and herbs, not even herbalism, I would say, but just herbs in general and just on the cusp of learning how beneficial herbs can be. And I just, I, this moment is just so clear in my head that it, I was just, it was like a light went off and I was just like, oh, wow amazing, like sacred plants. Who knew, right? <laughs> um, and Tulsi is, or holy basil it is, it's very important herb in India. And I was working at the local farmer's market one summer, and I was selling iced teas. And one of the teas that I, I made a lot was a Tulsi, iced Tulsi and hibiscus tea. And there was an Indian family that was getting married or an Indian couple that was getting married on Deer Isle, which is where I live. And so there were a lot of Indians um, and people of Indian heritage at the farmer's market that day. And I remember they would come up to the table and they'd be like, oh my gosh, Tulsi, like you have Tulsi. How do you know about Tulsi? And, you know, I asked, I was like, well, you know, how do you know this plant? How do you work with it? I know it's very popular in India and Hindu cultures. And one man said, you know, we just eat one leaf a day and we have it in our a pot in our yard or courtyard or in front of our house, in front of our door. And it's just known as a health tonic where we just eat one leaf a day um, to keep good health. And I thought that was pretty cool. What I've learned about holy basil is that it is, it's very centering and grounding. And I love to drink a cup of holy basil tea because it is so 
grounding, I really do think it helps us to like enter into a state where we're more easily able to meditate or reach a a spiritual aspect of ourselves. And whether that is just through the aroma, the natural scent therapy of the plant itself, or the actual constituents that you gain by drinking and consuming the herb. It truly is lovely. And mothers, I have to say, like, it's really helpful if we can be grounded and centered and in a calm state, right? I mean, that's always very helpful when dealing with children of all ages, surely. And adaptogens are really important for mothers because we are, motherhood is stressful and we are always depending on what situations we come across as we are mothering or situations that our children have or our family have. It's really important for us to be resilient and able to adapt in stressful and transit situations and transitions in life. And I think that Tulsi takes us there really easily and in a really delicious way. And then the other benefit I think of Tulsi that's helpful for parents and mothers is that it helps to support our immune system. So especially with young children, maybe they're entering into uh, daycare or preschools. I know when my daughter first started going to preschool, you know, she was getting fully inoculated with all kinds of viruses that her young being was coming in contact with and bacteria and all this. And she was bringing home all kinds of things for us that we had never been in contact with because we didn't have a lot of contact with children uh, before we had her. So that first winter that she was in preschool, wow, did we have all kinds <laughs> of contact with different colds and viruses and flus. And our, our immune systems really benefited from being supported. So again, the way that I like to um, work with Tulsi or holy basil is by making a tea. I really think that's the best way. And it's become such a popular herb these days that you can easily find it in tea bags at your local health food store or in the health food section of your regular grocery store. It might be labeled Tulsi. It probably is labeled Tulsi versus holy or sacred basil. However, you could also find it labeled that. You can also find tinctures of this herb, or you could make a tincture if you have a fresh plant. Um, And a glycerite. I don't really work much with glycerites, which are herbs that are infused in a vegetable glycerin, which is a type of sugar. Um, But it's because it's such a tasty herb and the glycerites do extract the aromas pretty well. Mm, some people do like to use it in that way. And then they tend to, some people would rather give glycerites to their young children than tinctures, understandably, because there's no alcohol in them. Uh, So that can be nice because then it's an easy one to give to kids if you need to. Um, If you want to grow this herb, it's a great annual 
Um, in most zones in the United States, if you're in a super warm zone if, or a zone similar to India, then you could grow it as a perennial and it could even grow into like a woody shrub. Um, supposedly in India there, I've heard stories and I don't know if they're folklore stories or if it's true these days, but there were forests of Tulsi, which I just I mean, to me, it just sounds like a magical fantasy world, but maybe it is there in reality. And if so, I need to find that forest. You can simply just grow a Tulsi plant. You can find them. I can find them usually um, maybe at a farm stand or, you know, a local herb grower or farmer. It's becoming more and more popular or you can find seeds you really it's like basils you kind of have to start the seeds early because it takes them a while to grow and they're really like warm temperatures so you tend to have to start them before you would plant the seeds in the soil so i like to just buy the seedlings usually um and then you can put them in a pot or in your garden and you can just continue to pinch the tops of the plant like you would a basil plant and you can dry it for tea you could even make fresh tea with it if you wanted, um, or you could chop it up fresh and put it in a jar and then fill the jar, fill the jar with the chopped basil and then fill the jar with 100 proof vodka, put a lid on it, let it sit for six weeks and strain it out. And there you have your very own Tulsi tincture. And that's basically how you make a glycerite but with glis vegetable glycerin, I believe, although I've, I honestly have not worked much with glycerites, so that's not my area of expertise. But if you don't already know this plant, I highly suggest finding some and playing around with it in some way, whether it's eating a leaf a day from the plant that you have planted outside your door, rubbing it, smelling it, um, just even smelling it to kind of calm and center in the middle of a chaotic moment or a stressful situation can be really beneficial. Or drinking a tea to really ground and center and calm, whether it's in the morning, the afternoon, or in the evening before bed. The next herb I'd like to talk about is motherwort. And motherwort is an herb that I actually talked about in another podcast episode, episode six. So you can check that out for more information as well. But I think of motherwort, I mean, just given the name motherwort, mother and wart, wart is just uh, another name for plant. So mother, mother's plant. Um, and it really does help, especially in the moment of an anxiety attack or the feeling of constricted breathing, heart palpitations, the beginning of anxious feelings, taking a small amount of tincture that's made from the fresh flowering tops of the motherwort plant can be um, very calming. And for me, it just allows me to breathe. It allows me to take that breath that I'm feeling too constricted to take at the onset of an anxiety attack. Luckily, I don't get anxiety attacks anymore, but I was prone to them as a teenager and I can still feel like 
the when I the very onset, like the very, very hint of a beginning of when you're like, oh, here we go. Like it's getting harder to breathe. I'm, I'm feeling anxious or nervous. Like even in that moment, taking a little mother wart just allows the breath to come and it can ease heart palpitations and just kind of calm in the moment. And it can be taken in small amounts. Again, it's something that you would take in the moment of having anxiety. You wouldn't be like, oh, like I'm a very anxious person. I'm just going to take a little mother war every morning, you know, my daily dose of mother war. It doesn't really quite work like that. It's more like have it in your purse, have it nearby in a place where you have easy access to it. You can see it. So if you're starting to feel anxious or fear or worry, Let's face it, these are all feelings that mothers have, whether rational or irrational, um, especially in the postpartum times, but all throughout motherhood, depending on what situation we're dealing with. And then when our children start reaching uh, puberty age or start having their own anxiety issues, maybe even before puberty, this is also helpful for children to, to take as well. I wish I had known about it in my pu- puberty teen years. I think it could have been really beneficial for me just to be able to stop that constriction and take a breath. Other benefits that motherwort has is it's a digestive bitter. So it does taste bitter. It helps to aid in sort of digestion. So especially digestive issues that are connected with anxiousness or stress if you kind of feel like your gut is all knotted and twisted up and you can't really you aren't hungry you don't want to eat or you just always have these butterflies in your stomach things like that um mother work could be very helpful for easing those feelings and another benefit is that it can increase the capillary beds both around um, the heart and around the uterus um, bringing more blood supply to those areas. Um, So I guess it can be more beneficial for women, especially from my understanding, women tend to have heart attacks because um, based on blockages in their smaller blood vessels and the capillaries that go to the heart. And so by building a stronger and healthier capillary bed around the heart, it allows for better blood flow in and out and around the heart. And same with the uterus. It might not be something if you have, say, endometriosis or something like that, this might not be the herb for you because, again, we don't necessarily want to bring more blood and capillary to the uterine area um, in those cases. And some people say that it's maybe not the best herb for pregnancy because it could potentially um, help to you know bring on a period like all mints. It's in the mint family and basically any herb in the mint family has that potential. Again, it really is more about how much you're consuming and in what form. So if you're only using... 5, 10, 15 drops in a moment to ease anxiety. I don't think you really have to be concerned that it's going to cause an abortion. Like that would be super extreme. Just like 
eating basil pesto is not known to cause abortions, even though basil could be considered an abortifacient if you were to consume massive quantities. And same with motherwort. So in these situations, we just have to think about how much we're actually consuming and in what form. So I like to make a tincture from the fresh flowering tops of the motherwort plant. It's really so bitter, it's not easy to drink as a tea or enjoyable to drink as a tea. But the fresh tincture doesn't taste too bad. And it's a really easy plant to grow. It is considered a weed in many people's gardens. Um, So if you have a garden, it loves that rich soil and it produces a lot of seeds like a good mother. And so um, usually once you have it in your garden, if you let it go to seed, you will continue to have it. And it, uh, you know, I consider it a short-lived perennial I think if you cut it back before the fall and before it does go to seed, it might live longer. But I tend to like to let, you know, harvest the flowering tops. I'll let some continue to flower and go to seed. And then I just will find new new plants popping up in the garden and I'll let them grow as well, just wherever they decide they want to grow. I guess my one motherwort story that I could share with you was when I was postpartum, um, you know, I, I had recently had my baby and I was just coming out like all the hormones were whoa crazy and I was trying to figure out what I was doing and we were very social people. We, we have a great community of friends and my husband is very um, social and so he had invited he had, for somehow it worked out that he had invited a whole bunch of people over for brunch, probably to meet the baby and just to have a little gathering. And I am not as social as he is. And I was still kind of in my early motherhood cocoon of like, ah, like I want to be alone just with me and my baby. And I don't, I can't entertain or host a brunch with 13 or however many people we were having. And I was having a bit of a freak out moment. And I just remember him being like, well, we can cancel. It's okay. You know, even though it's the morning of, (laughs) I was like, no, no, we're not going to cancel. I can do this. And I took my motherwort and again, I could just breathe and it brought me back to center. I'm like, I can do this. And I have to say, it was a great experience. I was so happy to have friends come, and I felt very supported by the community, and it was not stressful at all. But to get me over that hump, that dread, that anxiety of the moment, that motherwort was really there for me. The next herb that I think of as a great herb for all mothers is rose. And rose, lucky for us, we live on an island that has 
an abundance of Rosa rugosa, which is also known as beach rose. It's a native to Japan, I believe, but it's the rose that has this really beautiful scent and these really large um, flowers that smell really good, as well as really nice big rose hips. But any rose will do. And just, you know, rose is very gentle, very soothing, very anti-inflammatory, beneficial for the skin, really kind of a heart-centered herb that eases emotional and physical strain on the heart. So whether we are heartbroken or if our heart just needs a little extra tonifying physically, rose can be very supportive and yet gentle and it smells wonderful you can uh, harvest rose petals and dry them for a tea or you could just buy any rose petals if you'd like you can easily find dried rose petals on the herbal marketplace and they make a really lovely tasting tea even a nice iced tea you could do um a rose hydrosol or rose water is also a lovely treat for any mother. It can be just, again, natural scent therapy, very calming, very soothing to the nerves. Um, rose water just put on a cotton swab and rubbed on the face as a face toner, a cooler, after sun care. Also great for baby skin, rose water. Um, if there's any sort of red irritation or rash or anything like that, some rose water can be really beneficial. Um, imagine, you know, you just had a big day. You, the kids are finally asleep. You've been running around all day. All you want to do is put your feet up and chill out. And you treat yourself to a rose steam and foot bath. So you take the rose petal, you boil a big pot of water, Take it off the heat, put some rose petals in that pot of water and let it sit for a few minutes. Take that pot of water to your table, uh, put it on a trivet so you don't burn your table or melt the finish on your table or what have you. Have a towel on hand, take the lid off the pot, let this rose scented steam fill the air, put your face over the pot, a towel over your head and breathe in the soothing, calming smell of the rose. So relaxing, so supportive for any sort of strain or emotional, physical tension in the body. And then once you're done steaming and you've calmed your, and you've treated your face and skin to the rose and your mind to the rose, you take that same pot of water you can put it into like a dishwashing basin if you want, or just if you don't mind putting your feet in the pot that you've put the water, the steamed the rose in, just put your feet right in it and you have a beautiful rose foot bath. You could even put a little salt in there to really soften the feet and just sit back and relax. And that's what mothers really can benefit from, I find, or what I can really benefit from as being a mom is just 
some quiet, peaceful time to ourselves where we're not giving to anyone but ourselves, where we just have our moment. And even if it's the, the, your par- life partner, your other co-parent or your older child that can do this for you, make a rose steam for you all the better and bring it to you while you are chilling out in your comfy seat with your glass of wine or your cup of Tulsi tea. Um, It's just a really nice treat. You can also um, indulge in a rose glycerite. You can find those on the market. Again, it would be rose petals infused in glycerin, very soothing, a nice nervous system, um, calmer, and uh, or a rose tincture. You can make a rose syrup and then put that in drinks, like mix it with bubbly water or mix it with cocktails if you want, and that's a really fun treat as well. So again, in the short term, it can be used to soothe and ease physical and emotional concerns. And in the long term, taken over a long period of if it can be used um, as a general anti-inflammatory. And then topically, it's a nice anti-inflammatory for any kind of skin, red irritations, um, dry, itchy irritations. And then speaking of red irritated skin plantain is the next herb that i thought of that every mother could benefit knowing from and this is plantain plantago species not the plantain the banana but plantago otherwise known as rib wart this plant grows everywhere i've seen it uh, growing out of lava rock in hawaii And I see it everywhere on the coast of Maine, where I live, growing in driveways and roadsides, walking paths, fields, anywhere where people walk or cars drive, plantain can usually be found. And either the broadleaf or the narrowleaf plantain. And it's, you know, it's known as a Band-Aid plant. So the Band-Aid plant is uh, basically a plant that can go on any wound, bee sting, bug bite. And, you know, if we have children and they're outside, we know they're going to get mosquito bites. They're going to get stung by bees. They are likely going to get brown tail moth caterpillar rash if they live where I live, unfortunately, at the end of June. Um red, itchy, irritated skin, diaper rash, um, anything like that. Any skin that is red, itchy, irritated. Splinters, it's very drawing. It can help draw out splinters. And, you know, children, especially young children, have such soft skin that they can really easily get splinters that then can kind of be hard to come out. So plantain has this both soothing and mucilaginous Uh, demulcent action, but it also has an astringent action, which can be very drawing. And so that drawing action can actually help to draw out splinters. It can help to draw out bee sting uh, poison. uh, And it 
it can also like any sort of um, reaction to mosquito bites. It's anti-inflammatory. As soon as you get a bee sting, you can chew up a leaf and get it all kind of slimy and sticky and stick it on the bee sting and the pain will be gone immediately. The swelling will go down. The sooner you get it on, the faster it will work. Um, the swelling will go down and it's just, it, it's, it's magical. It's amazing how quickly and wonderfully it works. I like to make an infused oil of plantain every summer and then I have it on hand to, uh, to make a salve with. Um, and I just always have that with me for bug bites or any sort of skin irritation. Um, and then same with the topical oil. So my daughter and I, again, when she was in preschool um, and in that stage from like age two to four, you know, she, she'd get one mosquito bite and it would just swell up and be huge compared to her sweet little arm. <laughs> and it would, you know, be like pulsing and like red and it, oh man, I just felt so bad for for her skin and Every night as our bedtime ritual, we would take the plantain salve out and rub it on all of her because she wouldn't itch until she was getting ready for bed and was, you know, relaxing and calming down. And then all of a sudden, all of her bug bites would start itching. And so that's when we would just rub the plantain salve um, on all of her bug bites. And then she could show me all of her wounds and bug bites from the day, rub it on any sort of cut or wound or uh, bee sting, bug bite, whatever. And she would not, they would not bother her anymore and she could fall right asleep and she wouldn't be like scratching them till they bled in the middle of the night. So that was, um, a really, really nice thing to have on hand. And then also for any sort of diaper rash or moisturizing the bum or like a protective layer between the diaper and and the skin. And then, of course, I just have to put a plug in for nourishing herbal infusions, which I probably talk about on the majority of the podcast episodes so far. But um, basically, a nourishing herbal infusion is you use food-like herbs that are mineral rich, protein rich, and you uh, infuse a large quantity. So you weigh out one ounce of the herb and put it in a quart jar, cover it with boiling water and let it steep for four to eight to 10 hours or overnight, strain it, squeeze out all the plant material, and you have a mineral rich, nourishing drink that will keep you going through the day. And the two that I would highlight for mothers specifically, although they're all good, but nettle is going to be, of course, a really good one. You can check out episode 15 for a lot more information on nettle, but it's the herb of energy. So all moms, come on. I know we all need a little bit more energy to get through the day. We're always putting out um, and so it's nice to put back in and store up some reserves so we can keep giving to the ones that we love. And then the oat straw is the other one. And again, that is a nervous system tonic and it tastes delicious and it's excellent 
full of minerals and protein, but I just think of it if you have like really frayed nerves, if you feel overworked, overtired, overwhelmed, fried, any of those feelings of just hit your wall, done biscuit, oat straw can really help again, like support and build the nervous system, making us more resilient to any sort of stressful situations that come our way or just the daily stressors that everyone experiences every day. So there's a handful of herbs for you to try out, get to know. As mothers, you know, it's not necessarily an easy job. It's very rewarding. And, you know, I feel like I can even hardly speak to mothering and motherhood because I just have one child and she's only six. And, you know, I I just, I know there's a lot more to motherhood and mothering than I have yet to experience, but we're all in it together, um, and it's it's extremely rewarding, but also can be very difficult and trying. And to know that we have herbs that can help us along the way, how lucky are we to have that extra support in our lives? So I hope that this inspires you to maybe you resonated with one or more of the herbs I talked about today, and if you can even just learn about one of them and incorporate it into your life and see if it can be uh, supportive for you, then I would be very happy about that. And I would love to hear about any of your experiences with that. So you can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. You can send me a message through my website. All of those, you can find me with the tag Soladago Herb School. You can also find me on Patreon. If you like this podcast and you want to support it, if you are interested in learning more about foraging backyard medicinal plants, making herbal remedies, growing herbs in your garden, and general seasonal backyard and kitchen herbalism, then you can check out the Soledago Herb School membership classroom on the Patreon website. You can become a patron patron at different levels and of membership, dive as deep or as shallow into the information as you have time and interest for. But anyway, I would just love for you to connect with me and even more importantly to connect with the green world that abounds all around you. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.